0: yes good evening we've got a fun topic or an exciting topic or fun exciting what's the best way i want to describe it we've got an informative um topic that i think is going to impact um us as young people in the conference and we've got some wonderful panelists with us today we're looking at tithe and offering um we know that in the middle of corona um the corona covid 19 situation um the conference has been impacted, and we thought probably as a as a as a as a department, um, as a youth department, it would be good to potentially look at this situation with regards to tithes and offering, um, and just see what's biblical, what's not biblical, because there's a lot of myths going on and and just see where where we should stand as Christians. Um, so anyway, my name's Sam, and we have some wonderful panelists with us. Um, Cynthia. Go ahead, say something to introduce yourself, please. And then we'll go to Tabani, Tari, um, and then I'll say something about Elder, and then we'll, we'll carry on.
1: Okay, my name is Cynthia. Uh... Where are you from Cynthia?
0: my name is Cynthia, I'm from
1: Southern Trench. Okay, thank you. Okay. Go on Tabani, go Tari. Oh, sorry. On, Tari. Okay, yeah, my name is Tari
2: or Tari Zo and I am from Wolverhampton.
3: Yeah, I'm um, Tabani. I'm from York slash Leeds. Let's say York
0: for now. York slash Leeds. You mean you've just moved to Leeds? You've just moved to York, but you don't. You feel guilty for let le- for not saying you're from Leeds because the Leeds people are here. You know, I understand
3: to be secure. I'm from Zimbabwe. <laughs> let's let's say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, we also got a special guest with us. No-, no, no, no. Forgive me. Everybody here is a special guest tonight.
2: Thank you. We also have another
0: you. special guest with us. Um, Elder Presto. Who's joining us from the general conference? Um, he's the GC treasurer, so we just thought, seeing as we're talking about tithing offering, let's just go. Let's let's get somebody who knows what we're talking about with the and offering. Not that you guys don't know what we're talking about, not that I don't, but let's get somebody in. And so um, he's graciously um, joined us. Um, he's from. We were discuss. We were discussing before we, before before we came. He's from the Dominican Republic. Um, he has a. A, a French black background is that correct? He's got yeah. a French black background. Um, English is his second language, but he's very proficient in the language as we've been having communication. And um, and um, what else did I learn quickly before he came in? Proficient in the language, and he's got his PhD in leadership. So I'm sure we're all we're all here to learn something, and I'm, I'm grateful the way we're going to start today's presentation or today's broadcast slightly different to last time um we're going to start with a little presentation 15 20 minutes and then we're going to launch into some questions and that's going to be held by alder preston thank you sir are we ready yeah we're ready we're good to go thank you very much i don't know how
4: many people are uh, in the in the uh, in the meeting and uh, I'm hoping that uh, you can all hear me well. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about me for those that were not here at the beginning. I am uh, a mixture of French and black. Um, On my father's side, I'm French. On my mother's side, uh, they're blacks from the Caribbean, actually St. Thomas. Um, And um, I am the typical mixture. I learned English when I went to Andrews University. It's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, it was. It was uh, one of the one of the challenges I faced, but it was a. It was a good challenge. I have served the church now for 51 years. Amen. I have. Um, I've been. I've been working since I was uh, very very young. I'm not going to tell you how young because then you figure out my age. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as far as i am um, concerned you look very young to me but don't worry keep on living you will uh, you will get to where i am um
2: you what you else look so
4: good whatever yeah yeah thank you i know uh, <laughs> i know better <laughs> <laughs> um, i i would like to say that i am the father of two daughters granddaughters uh, one of them is uh, near my house. Actually, she's she's a human resource specialist and um, she's single. The other one is married and she has two children, uh, my grandchildren married to a fine gentleman and um, they don't live nearby. They live several hours away from me. Uh, I have a wife who has been with me for uh, 51 years wow um, um a long time i deserve a medal um uh and uh, she's um she's uh, not here in the room with me but she's we have been together now uh for the better part of 4 months i mean okay. confined to the house okay yeah uh, uh, I had completely forgotten the reason why I had married her. Because what happens is that when you have children and they come uh, into your life and into all of the activities and the, and the schooling and the, and the sicknesses and the different things, you think your life is about children and the truth mm-hmm. is your life your married life is about your your spouse okay mm-hmm. and uh, i i can say to you that it has been a rediscovery process mm-hmm. a real mm-hmm. blessing now i understand wow. and now i know what i felt 50 some years ago and the reason why i said i'm going to marry this woman okay all right so mm-hmm. Having said that, let me start with what I want to say. Um, stewardship is, is a way of life.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, it's a way of life because you are by nature, by, by God-given uh, nature, abilities, you are a steward. You don't own anything. We don't own anything even the even the clothes i have you know I, the day i die i'm not going to be the one choosing what to wear
2: mm.
4: um the the house i i already paid for is has nothing to do with um who i am because in reality um that, the the house is a wonderful place for me but the truth is i don't own it i can't take it with me mm. We are stewards. We are managers. We are responsible for certain things entrusted to us. And the sooner you realize that, the better you can relate to God, the better you can relate to life. So, if you allow me, I'm going to share with you uh, a 10,000 meter view of stewardship. And after this, You ask any questions you wish. If I don't know the answer, I'll say I don't know. Is that fair enough? That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Just just
0: before you start, shall we say a prayer? Absolutely. Yeah. Dear Lord, um, please may you be with us as we go into today's topic. I'm praying that you will send out the Holy Spirit to teach us and um, fill us with your spirit. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Let me see if I
0: don't uh, drop
4: you. I need to be sure that I do this thing right. Can you see, um, can you see a diamond?
2: Yes, we can see it. Do you see it? Yeah.
4: All right. I am um, using the diamond as a metaphor for what stewardship is about. And I want to share with you the different faces of the diamond in just about 15, 20 minutes. So I'm gonna go really fast. There are not going to be Bible texts. So I'm gonna go straight to the presentation, through the presentation without reading anything. The Faces of the Diamond is basically another way for me to show you how you can rediscover stewardship. We have all had um, misconceptions about it. And I believe that it would be helpful to all of you, and or as it has been to me, if we can find a way to um, discover what stewardship is. The faces of the diamond illustrate the stewardship arguments, and these are biblical arguments that we find in Scripture. And um, I don't know if you have pencil and paper, but if you don't, you may have a great memory and you don't need it. Um, The way I see stewardship, I see five arguments, five biblical arguments, and I see five dimensions that relate to our lives. The first one in the center is the theological argument the second one would be the christological argument the third one would be the ecclesiological argument the fourth one would be the eschatological argument and the fifth one would be the ecological argument These are five ways of looking at stewardship from scripture ownership management relationship, motive and character are the five dimensions in which this arguments can be broken uh, broken up.
2: <clears throat>
4: Let's start quickly with the theological argument. the theological argument is the usual one. This is the one that starts by saying God created everything. He owns everything. He's the creator including man, man was given dominion over the earth. That word dominion, uh, that is a very interesting word in Hebrew is, is the key word for us to understand how to relate to everything else. We are We have been given dominion, skills, abilities, if you will. And when we're talking about monies, which is part of who we are and what we do, basically money comes down to a test of faith and an expression of love. And you have plenty of texts that speak about that. Then there comes the Christological argument, which is, uh, you know, we relate to uh, Jesus Christ, as the center of our spiritual lives and as the key cornerstone cornerstone of uh, of uh, of the church he is a creator sustainer owner and redeemer plenty of texts about that and then christ is the head he is the husband he is the key cornerstone jesus christ himself the chief cornerstone. And then Jesus is the chief steward to God the Father. This is a very important uh, element in the Christological argument. Jesus becomes a chief steward to God. So much so that he did nothing that his father didn't approve. And he was totally and completely guided by the Holy Spirit in every way that he did, in everything he did, in the in the in while he was um, on earth.
2: <clears throat>
4: the important thing is that we respond to Jesus in gratitude, and this word gratitude, please don't forget it, because there is a study that we did that actually highlighted. The responses of four four, um, territories around the world, in different parts of the world, and that actually brought that up. In other words, people return the tithe because they are grateful to God. This is it. So don't forget that. We'll come back to it. There's the the ecclesiological argument that is more like the horizontal way in which we see how we relate to the church and to our fellow men. We are part of a community. We are not, we don't live alone. Uh, We reflect the love of Christ. We are part of something bigger. The eschatological argument that is big enough, I've, I've written enough about it that Uh, can actually take us uh, the rest of the evening uh, is is an argument that speaks about the limitations of the steward. The, The steward is limited in time. We don't live forever. And there's a finality to everything we do. But there's something that is called eternity that is coming. And that has to do with how do we relate to our lives when everything here is over that is a very important element that uh, uh, calls for a steward to be a good one and there is a biblical there's a biblical um, parable about that then comes the ecological argument and this is the point in the understanding of stewardship in which we connect with people that don't even belong, that do not even, do not even believe in God. We, we connect with people that are um, non-believers with the stewardship argument of ecology. That is, we are stewards of the earth. And because of that, people that do not believe in God, but they do believe that they are stewards of nature, they connect with us, and we can take advantage of that, because they would get to know what the real God and who the real God is. Man cares for God's creative work and we are accountable to God and men for the use of the planet's resources the use of natural resources should be for the common good and that's all in the scriptures so the five biblical are the five biblical arguments and the five dimensions connect because we if we if we study these arguments to know how God presents himself as the owner, how we relate to him as the manager, how do we establish a relationship without which there is no stewardship? And how does motive play into this? What is our motivation? Are we selfish? Are we covetous? Are we we looking after ourselves? and character, because in the end, character is who we are. I believe this are the faces of the diamond. That is stewardship. Now, I think that's probably what I wanted to start the conversation with. Um, I um how should i say this the more i study stewardship the more i realize that uh, god has given us a, given us a great privilege in serving him with a lot of things we have great brains you know your brain is the best thing you have i was uh, i was thinking you know what is the greatest gift that god has given us And it is a good brain. You remember in the sanctuary, um, there was the dress of the high priest. And in the dress of the high priest, there was something that was actually unavoidable. What did he have here in the forehead? Do you remember that? Do you remember what he had? Was that a plaque that said, holiness to the Lord?
0: Holiness to the Lord.
4: Yeah. And that is, that means that um, if you guard your mind, if you keep your mind submitted to the will of God, to the spirit of God, then everything else in your life is going to be better. Now, your mind is not separate from your body because we do not exist separate from the body okay mm-hmm. biblically speaking when your body collapses your mind collapses yeah and if you have a strong body that is if you um, uh can you see me no your video's gone there we go okay. if you have a strong body yeah if if you if you have if you have a strong body you have a stronger you have a strong mind you have a better mind that's why we exercise we exercise because when you when we have a better a body in better condition we have a mind that is able to do more so um it is this combination of mind and body that is genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, that speaks to us as the, the initial gift. That's what made us human. That's what made us God's creation. And I would like to encourage you to study it with that in mind, with those five arguments, with those five dimensions, so that you can contemplate your place in humanity. Having said that, that's all I had to do. So, let's talk.
0: So, I mean, you've given us a good broad overview there, which I think is excellent. Um, and and I've, and I've written down, I've written them down. I didn't write them out with pen and paper. I put them in my, I put them in my iPhone with with, with, with notes. Um, but I've got them down. Um, and I guess probably a first question which isn't on the questions that I've sent out to you guys so just get your thinking caps out <laughs> but based on what we've just heard um well I guess it, I guess it can be why then we've just seen the overview what are some of the common misconceptions then that when people think about because obviously we've just seen that tithes and offering is more than about money oh yeah it it, it, it it's it, it, it's bigger than that, it's bigger than that. So, so what are some of the common misconceptions then when people think of, when they hear the words, tithe and offering?
4: Yeah, I suppose that this is one of the problems we have. The people that started teaching stewardship many years ago actually linked it to stewards, to 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 money, to material possessions, and it's true, we are. But we are more than that, mm-hmm. you know. If I'm going to marry someone, and I suppose you girls, you look to me very appealing. I'm sure that you're going to have some suitors sometime, if you if you don't have them already. Oh, uh, if you, <laughs> hey, if, <man>. you uh, <laughs> if you are going to marry someone, would you hmm? like that that person to marry you for your money?
5: No. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm thinking from the concept of I don't have that much money, so it would be, it would be yeah,
4: useless. To them, that, but that, that would not be a good idea. No. Um, money is only a way to get to um, doing certain things. The truth is we yeah. want people to love us, know us, and relate to us by who we are, um, in all aspects of life and that includes your brain that includes your personality that includes your your skills and or lack of skills so to speak because you have people that are skillful in connecting making friends I have one daughter that is like that I admire her I, it's a gift I don't have. I have, um, I don't have the gift of uh, making friends, you know, like out of, right away. I, um, it's hard for me. For her, it's it's a natural thing. What I'm trying to say to you then is, um, stewardship is so much more than money it is everything you are and everything you are is to be used as um, as a way to 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 serve god to connect with other fellow men to relate to the environment to relate to your church to relate to your parents to relate to your friends to your teachers to your to people that know you well and people that don't know you that well. So all of that is who you are. Um, So I don't know, I think the the first answer I can give you is simply that whoever was starting to talk about stewardship uh, connected only with a little piece of it because money is part of who you are. You need to be able to relate to your your resources and administer them well and the, one of the reasons why we need to administer them well is because there's not enough of it you know or are you are you are you uh, wealthy and i don't know it <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm i'm guilty as charged not wealthy
4: there you go so neither am i so the, the point is, you and I are going to have resources. If you become a professional, uh, if you work at a trade, if you, if, you, if, you, if you are active in life, you're going to end up with resources. How do you relate to that? And what, how, how do you see the, your connection to that, And to God's church. That's what stewardship is about. Remember one thing. It's not your money. Put that in your noodle. Okay? It's Mm -hmm. not your money. And when you die, you cannot take it with you. End of story. I just buried someone on, on Wednesday. I, it was a sad thing. He was 46 years old. One of the, one, one, one of our boys in, in church got sick, didn't, didn't bounce back, and he left a wife and three children. Um, an engineer, uh, I'm an electromechanical engineer. I don't know, one of those things that I don't have the brain to do. Well, um, I guess what? It he, he was uh, pretty lonely in that box. So uh, disregard that. That's my fax line. Um, it's um, when, when he was buried, he's, he was, it was only him and his casket. Now, I'll tell you one more thing. And I always say this. When people believe too much about themselves, They think that when they die, they're going to need two caskets. They're going to need one for themselves, for the body. And they're going to need another one for their ego. (laughs) And that one of the two is going to be bigger than the other. And guess which one is going to be bigger? The ego. The The Mm ego. So that's the answer there was a misconception to begin with and now we are trying to rediscover it undo it biblically going through scripture trying to find what exactly is stewardship
0: what what do you guys think what do you guys think
5: um i I mean i was just going to tie into uh one of the points that he mentioned about how stewardship is not just about money it's about various aspects of your life and i think one of the biggest traps that we fall for as Christians or young Christians is that we love to compartmentalize our Christian life. So if say, for example, you hear about stewardship, you put it in the compartment of stewardship is about money. It's nothing to do with my time. It's nothing to do with my gift, the gift that God has given me. It's nothing to do with the way that i I, I, I do my service in church or how i organize myself as a as a person in in in, in total is nothing to do with that we just now start thinking of tithe. we start thinking of money and offering and then when you fall into that trap you now start thinking well why should i give away my money why should i give away my this my that but as um as pastor personal said it's it's not yours in the first place, it's God. And one of the biggest things that someone taught me was that if you see whatever you have as yours, it's much more difficult to give it away. But if you see it as a gift that you've been given by God, it's much easier for you to share that gift.
4: That's a great thought.
0: Thank you. That's a great thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so bouncing from this then, touching on the money does god need our money no absolutely not so then
4: in w- fact, why in fact in fact let me tell you this before Go you ahead. finish the question the eschatological argument answers that break because it down when when we get to the point of um, time of probation when we get to the point of closing um, close the close of uh, of probation, the, the, the time of uh, persecution and all of that, it's going to be when the church is going to shine the best. Mm. And it's going to be when you're going to be unemployed, Get was, guess what? Because you cannot buy and sell. Mm. Isn't that paradoxical? That when we are at our lowest, God is at its highest, his highest. That mm-hmm. is the, the, the thing here. Um, how do you relate to, to, to money, and how do you disconnect yourself from the love of money? That is the trick?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay so 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 jumping on that and answering and, and asking the rest of the question then. If God doesn't need our money, as just has just been explained, why does he ask us to give it to him or return it to him? It's it's very interesting because, see, we
4: we we have been entrusted with this. See, the Adventist church was established back in 1863 as an organization. 1844 was the the. uh the uh, millerite movement and all of that In 1863 we got organized as as a as a a body and from then on we have been fulfilling the mandate of going and preaching telling the whole world and we have schools and we have hospitals and we have um you name it okay and the lord says occupy yourselves while i come Get going. It's like saying, um, I'm going to give you gifts to do this. In other words, he has given a mandate to the church. Mm-hmm. So, the question you're asking, I don't know that I'm the best person to answer it. You, God is the best person to answer that.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think there are also other principles in the Bible uh, about why God wants us to give him back the money, like Allah. Um, if you tuned in um into a, one of the Sabbath schools we did on tithe and offering, like uh Malachi, uh chapter three. Yeah. It talked basically God was saying, you know what, give me, um, you rob me of tithes and offerings and then they were asking how do we rob you god and then he was i know you were saying like you rob of me and then you they were like oh how do we rob from you and then you are through not giving me tithe and offering and then later on he goes on to explain how if they were to just trust him and give the tithe and offering like god will supply their needs and if you look at the history context of those people they were living in a condition where they were being what's the word um, be, like their money was being, what's it called, the priests were literally extorting the people, yeah, from money and everything like that. And so the people were really struggling in terms of finances, but God was like, even though you're struggling, I still want you to give me back what belongs to me from the little that you have, because at the end of the day, Everything belongs to me. And even when we look at how tithe and offering came, we can realize that it started in, in Genesis, in Abraham's time, before Abraham's time, they were already giving tithe and offerings. So it's not like a a new thing that came uh because the church does just decided, oh, actually, we want your money. But it's like God, like when we look at the start, basically God was kind of teaching the principle of, okay, everything belongs to me. Like while you've, we've already established, everything belongs to God, including money belongs to God. But from everything, God wants our time. He wants us to spend Sabbath with him. He wants a, a relationship with us. He wants this and that. And then there's one element of how usually money is can be, is the root of all evil. But it doesn't mean that money is evil, that kind of thing when you look at the Bible in Proverbs where it's encouraging investments and all that. But it was the whole concept of God is trying to teach us by saying, give me back the 10%. He's trying to teach us to remind us that, okay, this money, um, it can be a root of all evil, but it can also be used wisely because you still need it whilst you're on this earth. However, even though it can be used wisely, I still want you to remember me uh, in it. Uh, rem- like when you're giving me back the 10%, it's you kind of saying, you know what? I'm trusting God. Oh, it's like, it's a reminder of how the 90% is really not yours, but God is actually saying, you know what? You can have 90%. You can have this money. You could have just said, give me 90% and keep 10%. But God was so gracious. It was like, you know what? You can keep 90%, but I still want you to remember me. So give me back 10%. So the whole, the question now is, the answer to the question is God, the other answer to the question is, God wants us to give tithes and offerings to him, especially tithe, so that we can remember him, um, who he is. And so that in everything that we do, we won't neglect to remember that everything is God's. So maybe at the end of the day, through the 90%, because we've given God t- 10%, like in the 90%, we'll start using that 90% wisely, because we are remembering that it's actually not ours, but it's God's. But I'll leave the other guys to kind of answer in case they have any
3: more answers. Well, I think you've said it all. Uh, I guess if you're looking at the flow of the money itself, it's not like there's God's bank account somewhere. It doesn't have one. It doesn't need an account. It's going around the planet somewhere. So it's like you're investing your money in something, but God is directing that investment towards a wise channel. So if you're not going to use it for tithe, there's gonna be for something might have been wasteful. And the way that money is going to flow around is just, just making the investment into a, a better portfolio, <laughs> I would call it. Or in spiritual eyes, a better portfolio. But the money is still going around the planet, it's just directing you towards a wiser investment.
2: I l- I
5: like that point actually, because it then allows us not to be selfish as Christians because. We, we sit there and we think where's the money going you know where is it going in the conference you see your pastor driving in your car. oh that's where my tithe went you know which is not the case the money we see all the the, the the stories and the testimonies that we hear especially during sabbath school for the mission story where our money is going and it's mostly going for a good cause for people out there that genuinely need it far more than we do most of the time as well
0: okay so we've been speaking about time and i'm I'm, I'm hearing this word time 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 time. um and and cynthia you referenced malachi chapter 3. let me just let me just read it quickly um because this always always um it's an interesting one so malachi chapter 3 and um reading from verse 8 will a man rob god Yet you rob me, but you say, where have we robbed you? And the Bible says in tithes and offerings. <laughs> Don't worry, Terry, it's, a, it's the Zoom light. Um, the Bible says in tithes and, and offerings. So we'll be talking about tithes. Um, and, and, and we all know, I feel like as Adventist young people and Adventist in general, we all know tithes, 10%, oh, hand, there's a hand. Yeah, let Go me ahead. let me uh,
4: let me tell you this. Um, if the Lord could say today mm. to any of us, to all of us, in what in which in what ways we have robbed Him, mm. I think it's going to be more than tithes and offerings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, we. We we he's gonna say, you know, you robbed me when you did not speak hmm. and gave testimony of, of of me to that lady. Hmm. You robbed me when you misbehaved, when you should have been giving ele- evidences that I am in your life. Hmm. There would be many ways in which the Lord could say today that we have robbed him. Mm -hmm. Because robbing means taking for yourself what is not yours. And what I'm trying to say, and I I agree with you, that Malachi is is a very dramatic uh, representation of tithes and offerings. But it's not the only way in which you rob God.
2: Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And thank you, thank you for that point. I'm bouncing off that point. Um, offerings. Yeah. Like I feel like we've got it nailed in the head. Many of us, 10% time. Offerings. Many times, I'm not. I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna say it on the live stream. I've done it previously in, in, in tithes boxs the offering plates coming around checking your wallet <laughs> what, what what's, what's, what's happening and then um, and then if you've got something you put it in if you haven't got anything you, you pass it along um, um, is this a biblical approach to how yeah. we're supposed because the Bible says robbing in tithes and offerings yes. how we supposed to do offerings? Could
4: I? Could I? Is it? Is it? Is it the good time for me to read something from the Bible?
2: Of course, always a good time. Yeah, please.
4: Okay, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, even if you have it electronically, let's let's open it to uh, Numbers chapter twenty-seven. I'm sorry, not lumber. Numbers. Leviticus. Leviticus twenty-seven. And this is the significant difference between uh, tithes and offerings, because we put so much so much weight on the on the tithe, because of that text in Malachi. Mm. Mm. Uh, in Malachi, we, 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 we forget about what is the total concept here. Okay, so let's look at the whole concept. And if we get nothing else out of this conversation today, but this. These two texts that we will read, we're going to read chapter 27, uh, verses uh, 31 to, I believe, uh, maybe 33. And then we're going to read 22 in Leviticus and verses 18 to 22. One talks about tithes. The other one talks about offerings. So let's see if we can capture the idea.
2: Yeah.
4: Here it is. If a man wants at all, okay, now maybe I should leave it with you. Start with verse 30 and go through verse uh, 33. Could someone, could some of you read it? I think you would do better than I do. Okay,
5: I'm reading from the NIV. Uh, verse 30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Whoever would redeem any of their tithe must add a fifth to the value to it. Every tithe of the herd and the flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. No one may pick up the good from the bed or make any substitution. If anyone does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses as Mount Sinai for the Israelites.
4: Okay. I, I want you to make a mark in your Bible and read this text uh, for yourself later. But I'm going to try and explain to you what this is about. It says here, verse 30, that the, the, the everything is belongs to god tithe of the lion it says and the lord's it's and the tithe is holy to the lord fine now it goes into 31 if a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes he shall add one-fifth to it what is one-fifth 20 percent 20 percent that's a very interesting interest rate isn't it this is this is, the, this is what happens. Um, let's let's say that you were giving your tithes in grain, because this is an agricultural society that we're talking about here in the Bible. Okay, your your tithe in grain uh, is ten percent of all of your grain. Let's say, and you are going to give your tithe instead of taking all of that grain to the church or to the priests you could buy it but if you're going to buy it he says so that there be no tricks with me you add one-fifth you, you okay. set the price and then you add one-fifth to it that means it's all mine Even what you have is mine. So, but what goes to my work, make sure you add 20%. Now keep reading. And it says, and concerning the tide of the herd or the flock or whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. Okay, you have to imagine that the shepherd is at the door. He puts a a rod the rod is for visual purposes, okay, mm-hmm. and you see he's counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten ship, the tenth one he takes it that's the tithe okay, okay, and he goes on with with all of that, and he said if if you don't want to bring that to the temple, and you prefer to bring the money, you can buy it at one fifth, at 20%. Now, what's interesting here is that when you have the 10th and you take it, it doesn't matter if it is fat, or skinny or good looking or bad looking or whatever
2: mm-hmm.
4: it is the 10th okay
2: mm-hmm.
4: now let's go to another text let's go to uh, chapter 22 in the book of leviticus and verse 18 to 22 if you can actually if if we if I could have someone read
2: it for me i would appreciate it
0: Speak unto Aaron and to his sons. Chapter 22, verses 18 to 20. Eight, 18 to 22. Speak unto Aaron and to his sons and unto all the children of Israel, and say unto them, whatsoever he be of the house of Israel or of the strangers in Israel, that will offer his oblation for all his vows and for all his freewill offerings, which they will offer unto the Lord for a burnt offering. Ye shall offer at your own will a male without blemish of the beeves, of the sheep, or of the goats. For whatsoever, whatsoever hath a blemish, that, that shall ye not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. And whosoever offereth a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow, or a free will offering in beeves or sheep, it shall be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish therein. Blind or broken or maimed or having a wen or scurvy or scabbed, you shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar unto the Lord. Okay, now what is the
4: difference that you see here with the other text? When you put the rod and, and you count the, the, the animals and you get the number 10, if that animal is is injured? You don't change it. Mm. That's the tenth. So, if you are making only, let's say, um, what's a good salary in England? Twenty-one thousand. Okay, th- thirty-one thousand.
2: 21. Oh, sorry. 21. Sorry. No, I'm just
1: saying. Uh, the- okay. <laughs> Is that a but- okay. good <laughs> salary? <laughs> I was just thinking of a, a minimum one. <laughs> okay, That's beyond <laughs> minimum.
4: We just, we, just, we just saw a little window on your soul here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's say 31,000. Let's say 31,000. And um, <clears throat> What is your tithe of thirty-one thousand?
2: Three
4: thousand one hundred. Okay, fine. But if uh, what if you what if you um, if you didn't work that much, or you could not make that kind of a salary, and your salary was only twenty thousand?
2: Still two thousand.
4: Is two thousand tithe is tithe is 10%. It's no change. You can't change it. God says it's 10%. If it is 10% of a million dollars is 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 a hundred thousand dollars. Okay? But if you are only making thirty thousand uh or twenty thousand it is ten percent it you can't change that please mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do to change it because the owner has says has said is ten percent now in this case uh, in in the other in the in chapter twenty two it says that when you're going to um, offer your own of your own free will it says uh, if you're going to make an offering a vow. Now you. This is the principle. This is in the heart of the book of uh, uh, books of Moses, and it says, "This is what I want you to do. If you're going to give an offering, if it is something special, make it special." Mm.
2: Huh.
4: And this is the point. It says you are going to offering. You're going to offer it of your own free will. In other words, you don't. You're not obligated. Okay you you can say yes you can say no period but if you say yes ah if you say yes it says um blind broken maimed ulcer eczema scabs in these animals those don't don't use those those are not for offering Mm. do you see the difference now this is what the story is um my wife's birthday comes every november november 11 god forbid i would forget I'm not obligated to give her a gift. But it's my wife, and I am not going to let that date pass, that day pass, without showing her how much I love her. Now, if I go to the store and I buy a little chinchy thing there that costs me only five bucks and I bring it to her and I give it to her for her birthday. It's true, I'm not obligated, but God forbid that I do that Mm -hmm. because the gift shows the heart of the giver. Mm -hmm. And she's going to see how much I love her by how much or how good I give. I cannot do that with the tithe. Tithe is only 10%, in the story. Now tithe can be a lot of money. I can tell you this, one time in my life, I had, um, I was not treasurer of the general conference. I was the, the director of accounting for, director of, uh, director of uh, budget at the general conference for eight years. So that was when I was there. I received a, an envelope, an envelope with a little check. Tithe
2: envelope. Um twenty-seven million. Wow. Wait, that,
1: that that's the tithe?
4: That's like ten percent. That's the that's the ten percent.
1: Wow. What
4: was this? I want to do it. <laughs> it's a bit different to twenty-one thousand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I almost fell off my chair mm. because the the little check was such a random, uh, and and you could see that the person writing was not writing. I mean, it was not great writing. Okay.
2: Twenty-seven million dollars.
4: Mm. It, it, tithe can be a lot of money, but it cannot be a lot of gift, a lot of giving. Mm. The point here in the book of Leviticus is if you are going to give a gift, go inside. Don't forget about the rod and the whatever passes under the rod of chapter 27. No, go inside, look at the most beautiful, look at the one that really represents the gift and then pick that one. And mm. that's your offering. Mm. Mm. You, you, you see the difference. There's a dismal difference here between tithes and offerings. Mm. And we as a people, have not captured that we have not seen that we think like you said that uh, when the when the offering plate comes along let me see how much i have left here okay and, you know oh no i i can't give that it's too much i'll give this mm-hmm. the point is simple the gift Represents the heart of the giver, and you cannot give when you're giving tithe, you're simply returning tithe, you're showing honesty, you're showing loyalty, you're showing commitment, but you're not showing love. Hmm. You can only show love when you gift when you give out of what what you wish to give, when you're free to give. There has to be freedom when you give. If if there is no freedom, if all there is is loyalty, it's not a gift. I'm sorry. Now, uh, let's come back to the principle then. You choose the best, and that one is the gift. It, that is the offering. That's the big difference between the two. Now, how can you do that? And how in Israel did they reflect that? Oh, yes, they were giving tithes. And Elon White says that many of them were giving 20%. That is 10% equal to the tithe. Elon White also says many of them gave 25% because they gave 5% to the poor. Mm. Others, she said, gave thirty percent because they they gave the the, the tithe. They gave ten percent extra for offering, and then they gave ten percent more to the poor. I mean, how is anyone going to survive in that kind of an economy, huh? That's where faith comes. That's where that's where things um become important when faith becomes important to us um and 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 that's where that's how that's why that's where planning and budgeting is important uh, you just
0: touched a key question there i don't want to cut you but i'm seeing no, the time fine. i'm seeing the questions and i see the time and i see the questions you you just touched a key a key thing there planning 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 I think. So um, one, no please. Oh, no,
5: one. no. Oh no, I was just gonna say that uh, tying it back to to your question of of you you given the plate and then you just throw in whatever stewardship is also about you planning the time because a lot of people's excuses I didn't get time during the week to go to the cash machine and get the money that I want but stewardship is also about taking the time out of your quote unquote, busy week to get the right amount of money so that when the offering plate comes, you're giving. It's not just about the intention. The intention has to be planned and well thought of, like he was saying, the gift of his wife. You can't just go into poundland and get a one pound perfume.
2: All right,
4: put put yourself on pause. (laughs) Okay? Here, you see this place here, this little room here? Mm -hmm. This is my office. Uh, when, um, my wife and I are an, on a budget plan, we have always been, mm-hmm. okay. And, um, every, every month she comes in here when I'm doing my study and she brings me a check. I'm an old fashioned guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like online giving. I like paper. Okay. And she brings me the, the 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 check with the tithes and offerings. Mm. Okay, we have been on that plan for all of our lives. And you know, uh, you, I'm I'm glad no one is here because if people was if if I had people in this room watching me, I have here tithe envelopes that I I, I bring from church because giving, returning tithe and giving offerings is a personal act of worship. And I do it right here in my office, not in the church. I only drop it there. Mm. Where I give it is here. Because when I take that check, And I put it in the tithe envelope and I make the distribution and do all the all the requirements. I, I do, um, I do an act of uh, waving. Okay. I raise it like this. Have you ever heard that there was an offering in the time of Israel when they were celebrating Passover? When they actually collected a little bit of the first fruits of the land. They had not done anything, simply collected a little bit of the wheat. Mm-hmm. And then they would go inside the inside the sanctuary, and the priest will actually raise it up and bring it down. And it was like they call it the weave, the weighed offering. That is, He was actually moving it up and down, like saying to God, God, I am here. And this is my moment to worship you. And I'm doing this in a way so that, Lord, thank you for giving me what you have given me. And I am going to do this because you are the the God of the universe, okay, protect me, take care of me, I love you, here's the tithe that you ask, and this is the offering, and I'm doing this, and I pray, and I seal it, and then I take it to the church. Mm. When that happens, um, you have done what, uh, what the Bible intends for you to do, because it is an act of personal worship it has nothing to do with oh the church is asking for the tithe because there's not enough or the, the they don't have enough in the fund to to operate uh, the church they don't have enough to pay the light oh, No, no 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 for me giving has nothing to do with that okay that's the mechanical part of it for me giving is my act of personal worship and if you come here at the end of the month to watch me do that you will think that I'm crazy simply because that's when I that's when I talk to God and I say but you know God you you didn't open that door for me and you didn't open this door for me but you know hey Whatever it is you have done, thank you And I'm going to rest everything in your hands. That's what offerings are all about.
2: Mm.
4: Mm. Mm. Now can you
0: see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we've, we've um, what's what I'm looking for. I don't think that, is that what I think it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning um, we We've put, I think, tithing and offering in a box. And the box, I don't think, is representative of what it's really about. Absolutely. Um, so, just quickly, probably our, our, going into our, our last few moments. Where am I at? Here we go. Um, when you look at younger generations of Christians, your millennials, your Gen Zs, they're almost five times more likely than baby boomers to say that their recent financial giving experiences were spontaneous rather than planned. Um,
4: yeah, that is uh, that is what the studies reflect.
2: Yeah,
4: um, that's what the that's what the what the um, what research tells us.
0: Um, why do we
4: think that is? Why do we think that is? Um, Well, you know, um, the more uh, recent generations have been raised with a little more abundance than the older generations. The older generations had to wait a little longer to be able to get some things taken care of because there wasn't enough money. Um, The older generation um, has been probably the generations that have been struggling longer. The new generations, the ones that are uh, from millennials up to now, uh, they 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 have not lived in a bad world necessarily. Now, you may say that this world is bad enough. And I agree with you. There's a lot of crime and there's a lot of, diseases and all of that but let me tell you this the older generations they really had to pull themselves by the bootstraps they had to really grab the pencil and paper and write numbers down they don't go by emotion they don't go by no they know the direction how can we teach the younger generations to be better planners, better administrators, better managers, better stewards, uh, do better with their money, and to be systematic givers, how do we we teach them? That is the challenge that we have today. And that's why I'm talking to you.
0: Me. What do you guys say?
3: What do what you guys think? So it it goes to our whole financial planning as a whole, not just tithes and offering. Uh, like the way my my let's say my dad would plan for his finances and me would be might actually be very different. Like he might project into the whole year to actually see. Okay, if it's rent, January, February, March this is what's coming in, plan or plan forward already. Rent, if there are certain bills, whatever is happening in your life, things are planned well. But I think with our generation, things are more spontaneous, even other aspects of life, such that when it comes to tithe and offering, we're just going to follow suit. But like if it's food, if it's uh, whatever you need, things happen in the moment. Now, if everything that you do in your life is happening in the moment, like, oh, this is needed, let me just skip that. Nothing's going to change for Titan Offering. You're not going to start mm-hmm. writing it down. Oh, it's the first of the month. What am I going to do for Titan offering for the rest of the month? Yeah. So I,
0: yeah. I guess the question is, is how do we get that 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 idea across of, of, of um what, what we've just discussed, really? It's not necessarily Emotional giving per se, but this thing's planned, and and you may be responding to certain needs um, that the church may have, but you've you've got plans, and um, it's an act of worship between you and God that 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 you thought about intentionally.
4: Let me ask you a question: Is tithing the only problem?
0: W- w- problem with what?
4: Sorry of that generation, uh, is, oh, no. Bible, is, is Bible study also a problem?
0: There's a whole heap, there's a whole heap.
4: Okay. Is prayer also a problem?
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Is witnessing also a problem? So mm-hmm. when you look at the whole thing, look at the whole thing in context,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and then mm-hmm. tithe and offerings is going to be only one point in the whole thing. It is consistency. It is systematic giving. It is the way you connect with God. If you are consistent, your life is going to reflect it.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: Now, um, you may say, okay, I'm acting like an old woman or I'm acting like an old man when I do those things. Well, I tell you, I I hate to say to you this way, the sooner you do it, the better.
5: Now I think. I think also. Um, I would say maybe uh, a way to reach out to the youth. You know, I'm speaking from experience. And when growing up, I would or certain things that were taught to me would only make sense if I got the answers of my why if I ask you why I need to tithe, if I ask you why I need to give offering, so rather than just being told you need to do it, why do I need to plan? So I think one of the best points that I got from, from this whole session was that tithes and offering are a form of worship. It's not about you giving something to the church. It's between you and God. So even the whole concept of you waving your check in your own personal space, you're not doing it in church for everyone to see it. It's between you and God in your own home. So I think... That for me is the biggest why that I've received in today's session, that it's a form of worship between you and God. And God says, whatever you do, do it in private. I will say, you don't have to go and tell everyone else because it's between me and you. Amen.
4: You got it. You got it. You got it. And let me tell you one more thing. If you are consistent with God, you're going to see the blessings of God come to you even more often than what you get now. In your tithes and your offerings, you're consistent. You don't fail. Even when you have the temptation of not doing it, because I've had that, okay? You are going to see the blessings of God. You're going to see yourself spiritually growing. Hmm. You know why? Because there will be a day when you are not going to be giving tithes and offerings, you're going to actually be walking away from your house because you're going to have to run for the hills. It's not going to be tithes and offerings. It's going to be a whole lot more than that. This is only (laughs) primary school.
5: I was going to say, wouldn't it be that this whole concept of stewardship in every area of our life is preparing us for that time
4: absolutely
5: it's not just about like you said we're in primary school we're gonna have to face high school and university so us learning about stewardship and how to manage our time our money our gifts what god has given us is preparing us
4: for those times absolutely you got it you got it
0: you got it i guess it comes back to that diamond what um, that you were saying in the beginning. When you look at it from the different angles, it hits you on so many different levels. Um, yeah. Um, with regards to stewardship. Wow. Um, I'm seeing the time. I think we've learned a lot this I've learnt a lot this session. Um I, I think I think we've all learned a lot this se- well, I mean not speak to everybody. I've learned a lot this session. And thank you very much, everybody for, for taking part. Um Elder Presto, thank you for taking time out. Those pleasure of mine i know you've got you've got things to do i don't know everybody's got things to do so thank you for taking time out um i think we were blessed um so yeah can you can you say a closing prayer first, please absolutely okay. let's bow our heads okay
4: thank you father for the opportunity to talk about these things these are important things these are eternal things we want you to bless each and every one of us as we move on, move and continue serving you in our different spheres of life. Uh, as, we, as we struggle in our own spiritual lives, Lord, we want you to guide us, make us uh, faithful stewards, and more than that make
2: your make our lives make sense for you in jesus name